0: You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource.
1: The long-awaited Opportunity Zone regulations were finally released on Wednesday, April 17th. But unless you're a seasoned investor, tax attorney, or CPA, you might not totally understand what's written in those 162 pages. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Our guest today will help us decipher this secret language of the IRS. Clint Coons is an attorney, real estate investor, and the manager of Anderson Business Advisors and Law Group. He helps investors and business owners set up very high-level asset protection and business planning. And he's with us here today on The Real Well Show to help us break down these new opportunity zone regulations. So, Clint, welcome back to The Real Well Show.
0: Thanks for having me on. It's been great.
1: Yeah, well, we've been waiting a while for a little more clarification on these Opportunity Zone regulations, and we got some more, but not everything, it sounds like, last week. So what did we get?
0: Well, I mean, we really got clarification on was uh, land, number one, uh, as far as investing into that and how much improvements you would need to make when you're investing into raw land. Because there used to be question, if I bought a piece of raw property and it had a building on it and the building was valued at $200,000 but the land was valued at $800,000 how much would i need to incorporate into this property to meet that substantial improvement test well what we found out is we all we need to look at is the actual structure itself so in my example you would have to invest $200,000 to improve that existing structure on that property and you would meet the substantial improvement test Now, something else that came out that was important was what about those instances when you buy a piece of property that has a dilapidated building on it, It, and your intent is to scrape the land and build something new, will they consider that property as part of how much you have to invest? So in my example, you had to invest another $200,000 into that fund in order to improve that property. Well, what the regs came out and stated is that if the property has been dilapidated for five years, it hasn't been rented out, and it's in a rundown condition, then you can actually ignore that structure altogether and treat that land as new use property. So there isn't any financial requirement that you have to improve the property at any given level. You, I mean, you'd have to put it to new use, of course, but there wouldn't be that 200000 hanging over your head because of this building that's existing on there that hasn't been used and dilapidated. So that was pretty good. That came out of it. Other things that may be of note, number one, we uh, have individuals, there was some question, what happens if I invest in an opportunity zone fund and I pass away? The thought was, is if you die during that 10-year holding period, then it's taxable to you and um, you're going to lose that holding. your beneficiaries won't get that. but now we know that they can take over your holding period so they could step in and just take over your interest when you passed away. So that's good. Um, some of the other things that I noted as well has to do with investments. I mean, just to be clear, people were concerned about you know what type of gain can be rolled in. Um, I think we're getting closer to understanding that any capital gains, what we refer to as 1231 gains from the sale of real estate can be rolled in. And then any 1250 gain, which would be depreciation uh, uh, deferral, would also be eligible to be rolled in to the qualified opportunity zone fund that is being set up. But here's the thing, though. A, A lot of people do not understand this, is that if you roll that money in, it's only gain that is eligible for the deferral benefits. That is, if you put in cash, uh, an example would be if I sold an asset for $800,000, $300,000 was gained, $500,000 was return of basis, and I dumped that full $800,000 into my fund, well, only the $300,000 is going to qualify for all of those benefits. The other $500,000 that you put in, you're not going to get the full step up. In 2028, 20, or your 10 year holding period. So, you have to calculate that in. And, you know, I'm going to be doing a webinar uh, later on where I'm going to be sh- showing an example of how there's a workaround to that particular rule. So, if you have cash that you're going to look at rolling into the fund, don't roll it in, just roll the gain in. I can show you a workaround um, to ensure that you'll get a full 100% step up in your basis in that property when it's later sold. Another thing that they addressed was what happens if a fund looks to sell an asset in a qualified opportunity zone? For example, I have set up my opportunity zone fund, my LLC is there, and I buy a piece of property, and I've held on to it for five years, and I you know, I'm still haven't met that 10-year holding requirement. If I decide I want to sell because I found another opportunity in a different opportunity zone that I think is going to have greater appreciation for me, or maybe even more income, could I sell that property in zone one and reinvest over here into zone two and not have to recognize gain? Because the big issue here for many people was if I sell that property, then at that point in time, presumably all the income is now recognized to the investors in the qualified opportunity zone fund. So if it was me and it was my LLC, then I'd have to pay tax on all that money to move out. Well, the regs cleared that up and they said that if you're the manager of the fund, you can sell that asset. And as long as you roll it over into a new asset within one year, then there's no recognition of gain. So there's no recognition of gain at the fund level, nor would there be recognition of gain at the individual level. So your holding period continues to accrue uh, and you still get the five and the seven-year step up, and then potentially the 10-year step up as well if you hold assets in an opportunity zone for the requisite 10-year period. So that's kind of a bonus. So it gives us flexibility uh, that if we find that we've got an asset, it's not performing at the level we thought it should be performing, and we want to roll out into a different area of the country where there's another opportunity zone, you can do that without fear that you're going to get hit with taxes. So I think that was one of the big benefits that I took out of the regulations, the ability to do that. You can also pledge your interest as collateral. For a loan, and it will not result in taxation to the individual, which is, you know, it, it, I think it's important because it builds in flexibility for an investor. So if I put in, uh, rolled in a million dollars in gain into a fund, and I took back a 85% interest in that fund, well, if I'm working with a lender to do a side deal somewhere else, I could take my interest in that fund and pledge it as collateral for the loan, and that would not result in taxation because there was some concern that if you did that that might be looked at like a disguised sale, and therefore you would lose the benefits of the five and seven-year deferral and step up in basis. And in fact, you'd have to pay taxes all within that same time period. So those are some of the major benefits.
1: Let me understand that better. If, let's say we create a fund, we buy an apartment, we fix that apartment up, and we want to refinance and pay some of the investors back with the loan, we can do that?
0: Yeah, you can pay them back with the loan that's not going to be taxable in that situation.
1: And that would be a way for them to be able to pay their tax that will be due in 2026.
0: Correct.
1: Okay, yeah. That, that the, was, the
0: tax, that, yeah, correct. You know?
1: That was a big question people had is, you know, how are we going to pay those taxes on the uh, original gain by 2026 if we've reinvested all the money? And that could be one way. Another way is, like you said, to only invest the capital gain, keep some money set aside for the taxes from the principal of the original investment. Does that make sense? Did I say that right?
0: Yeah. And going along that line too, is that if you have a fund set up where you're looking to do multiple investments, there was some concern that if I started taking in money for another investment, that I would have to deploy that immediately. But uh, the regs came out and cleared that up as well, is that you can have multiple cash accounts in your qualified opportunity zone fund that qualify Provided they're going to be used for other investments you're making. Best example would be I roll in $600,000, I buy a piece of property for three, I'm going to allocate the other three to the substantial improvement of that property, and I'm taking care of that deal. Well, then I sell another asset and I roll in $400,000 into my qualified opportunity zone fund. Well, when you roll the money in, you have 180 days to go out there and find your property. So I go out and I find another piece of property and that property is $200,000, so I'm going to substantially improve it by investing two hundred. dollars Well, I can allocate that additional two hundred dollars to a separate account, and I'll be able to pick up that 31-month holding period on that cash for the improvement. And so what we know now is that we can roll money in in different tranches, so I can do it in 2019, 2020, 2021, and I can hold those funds for 31 months. It's not going to be treated as one account with only one 31-month holding period. So that was pretty good. Something else too is the straddle. So if you have a property that is in an OZ zone and outside of an OZ zone, and you are looking to invest in it, the question was, all right, well, does this property qualify if it straddles the line? And as long as greater than 50% of the property is inside of the opportunity zone, then the property will qualify as opportunity zone property. So that was something that a lot of people had questions about before they thought you'd have to buy property that was you know in the opportunity zone and it couldn't be outside so there was some clarification there I'm trying to think I mean there's 160 pages. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> is there any clarification on exit if you have a fund with multiple properties or let's say in our case this is the reason we put the brakes on our fund is we were planning on buying one to four units but a lot of them, then we found out we'd have to sell the whole portfolio, not one at a time in 10 years. Is that still the case?
0: That I did not see anything on the the exit. If you have to sell the entire fund or the portfolio, I would go off, my basic understanding is that if you sell the asset itself, as long as it's, when you sell the asset, as long as you make the election to step it up at that point in time when it's sold, then that asset would qualify. The problem you're going to run into, though, I mean, well, that's not a problem. Is What you just then have to do is account for the income as it comes out to the taxpayers. And they have this uh, last in, first out method. And I think that's where you're going to get hung up potentially on that. Because if you're bringing in multiple investors and buying multiple properties over that fund over a period of time, then if I'm making subsequent investments into that, since they apply the last in, first out approach, then it may be that when that asset's sold from your outside basis standpoint as a taxpayer, that you're going to get taxed on a portion of those funds. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're getting way down into the weeds on this. And so that would be my understanding of how that would work, even though you've held it. So it would get your basis and would be carried over, of course, because you'd get a step up for the taxes you paid. Uh, so then you'd have to determine it your 2026 date how much is going to be taxable on that basis. And that's beyond me. That's going to take somebody else with a an advanced <laughs> degree in partnership accounting to go in and dissect that one.
1: Well, that's what's I think there's going to be some surprises 10 years from now when you know so many larger institutions jumped in and they've already started their funds and you know we're not really sure about the exit still like how that's going to work in 10 years and and to make sure that these investors are not going to be suddenly faced with taxes they weren't expecting.
0: Yeah, I, I know that's something that they, they've talked about. Um, the investments, if they're new investors that come into a fund, let's say, and you're buying a new piece of property, well, then they're going to get their own 10-year holding period on that investment when they come in. Because one of the things that the the regs have, did address, and, and it's something that has been concerned about, is what happens if I'm ra- my funds continues to raise money because I'm doing different projects. Does it kill the ten-year hold period, uh, or how long can on past twenty twenty-eight can you go? We well, can go all the way up to twenty forty-seven. So the investors that come in, let's say in two thousand and twenty-six, well, they're going to miss out on the five and seven-year step-up that goes away. But as long as they hold those funds for ten years, stay in the fund for ten years, then when the investments are later sold. They will get that 10-year step up, and they'll be, of course, it's going to be elected, and they won't have to pay tax on that. So it is set up so you can have multiple investment streams, multiple raises into your syndication. My recommendation is specific projects, and you do not go about it that way because of the complexity and having to track all these various investors for their qualified opportunity zone fund investment. And I would create a new syndication for a specific project, do a raise for that project, and then treat it separate than the second project I'm going to be doing. Even if you're going to have the same investors in there, I'd cash them out after 10 years and tell, all right, we're going to do another one you can reinvest into this one.
1: So separate opportunity zone funds per project.
0: Absolutely. Because okay. otherwise you're going to get so far, you're going to create a hairball for yourself trying to detangle <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> you're going to keep a CPA really uh, happy because they're going to be able to do all the work.
1: But isn't that what some of these large institutions have been doing or the funds that are already raising billions of dollars? I mean, maybe they've got the accountants for that, but it sounds complicated. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you've got the big guys that are going to come in. You're going to have you know several hundred thousand dollar accounting bills to keep track of all of that. But I think as a smaller operator doing a raise, I would not attempt to do it. I think it's, you'll be money ahead to create a new syndication for each deal with your investors than to try to run multiple deals through the same syndication.
1: Mm, Great, great advice. Okay, so then if an, an individual would just rather have their own fund and just buy properties that they control, how hard is that to do?
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's not something you're going to do on your own. Let me tell you that. Because in order to set this up, uh, the investor, first off, they have to know their timings and their dates. Okay. So when you sell an asset, for instance, you have 180 days to invest into a fund. So the question then becomes, when does that 180-day clock start? Well, if I sold stock, it's going to start the day I sell the stock. Okay. And I have 180 days to invest into a fund. If I sell real estate. Or if I'm involved in a syndication, your 180-day period begins on December 31st of the tax year in which you recognize the gain. So if you sold um, property, uh, you had gain from a syndication on July 1st of 2019, your 180-day clock won't start until December 31st of 2019. Similarly, if I sold a property on January 1st of 2019. My 180-day clock to reinvest those gains won't start until December 31st, 2019. Oh. So you have to, uh, yeah. Wow. So you have to understand that parameter first. Now, if you want to make the investment beforehand, go yeah, go right ahead, set up your opportunity zone fund, which typically what we're doing is we're setting up LLCs. But let's assume that you have it, you've delayed. And this actually came up with one of your students They had sold an asset. It happened to be stock. So we had 180 days from the sale of the stock in order to set up the fund. And I had a conversation with him and and he was 15 days away from his 180-day period. And I said, all right, well, here's what we need to do. We need to get an LLC set up that is qualified as an Opportunity Zone Fund. So there's specific language that we need to put into the actual operating agreement to ensure that it's going to qualify. And then what I need you to do is take your money, your gain, and roll it into the LLC. So, so translation, get a bank account set up for your LLC and get the money rolled in. <laughs> once you've done that, you now have another 180 days to invest the funds. So we're able to give you some flexibility with that. And then, so once we roll that money in, then you can go out there, you, you have to find your property, and once you find the property, you, may, you have to make the investment of 180 days. And then at the six-month mark of the investment, you need to perform an audit uh, on the Opportunity Zone Fund to ensure that 90% of its assets are invested in an Opportunity Zone. And then that same audit would need to be performed at the end of the year as well on those assets. And so when you do that, then you qualify, and then you want to make sure you're going to file Form 8996 With the tax return for the fund, and then as the individual, don't forget you file your 8949 with your 1040 to defer the gain, because those are two important elections that need to be made. And if a taxpayer doesn't inform their CPA of this, they're going to lose out on the benefit.
1: That's why you need a good CPA. Well, let's just say you just totally didn't know any of this. You sold something last year. Uh, You paid your capital gain tax April 15th. And you go, darn it, I I really wish I had done something differently and invested this money in an Opportunity Zone Fund. Is it too late?
0: No, it's not. So you can still do it. As long as you're within the 180 day period, you can go in, you can make the investment. Then you'll go back and you'll amend your 1040. Uh, You'll get back a tax refund from the IRS. And then when you amend the 1040, you want to make sure that you file the 8949 with your 1040 uh, so that you're making that election. It does happen, you're right, but you're not precluded if you made the mistake of paying the tax
1: love it okay and you have recorded a webinar for our listeners mm-hmm. and uh, that mm-hmm. sometimes it's a little bit easier to see it visually <laughs> that's what you know you've been doing for us with our structures you know making it visual so I can understand it. So if anybody wants to see that it is on our website at realwealthnetwork.com and you've set up a pretty great deal for our listeners and members and I really appreciate that. Uh, to make it affordable, because you know some of these CPAs and attorneys are are making it almost <laughs> it doesn't make sense to even mm-hmm. set up the fund because uh, it's too expensive at the onset. But yeah, so thank you for giving our listeners and members a great deal on on doing that. Um, don't don't try this on your own, right? When you were saying all of that, I thought you know what I'm just going to give it to you and you're just going to do it for me. It's it's easier that way, <laughs> right? Do you does yeah. your company help with the the filings and the appliance?
0: absolutely yeah. That's what we do um, because we have both the tax and the legal side. So when we set up these funds, we're making sure, A, that they're compliant, that they have all the requisite language in there, that if you get audited, the IRS, when they look at your fund documents, they're going to see right away that absolutely this entity was established as a qualified opportunity zone fund. Some people talked about using pre-existing entities. I would not do that. I would just create fresh entities for your investment. And then that certification, I mean, that's something you cannot miss. You have to do those six month and that annual certification for your opportunity zone fund or it'll fail. And then you're gonna get hit with taxes. Yeah, so so when you look at it, overall I tell people, I said, what is the cost to you of doing it wrong? Okay. And so think of it as inexpensive insurance to have a professional that understands this, do it right for you, because otherwise you could look at a thirty, forty, hundred thousand dollar taxable hit because of you didn't forget to check a box, you didn't put the right language in an operating agreement. It's just not worth it.
1: Mm-mm. It is not worth it. That's why we put a halt on our opportunities Zone funds until we had a little bit more clarification. So are we still waiting for more clarification? Is it, or is it okay to move forward if you do it properly in one asset, one LLC? Well,
0: I mean, I think that, you know, the interim gains at the fund level is something that's still out there. You were talking about the selling of the assets. That's still somewhat of an open issue. So if you think you're going to be selling assets inside of the fund and rolling properties over, I would be careful on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, no, I would still go forwards with it. I mean, here's what's going to happen. If you delay, the taxpayer is going to miss out on the five and seven-year step-up. I mean, this is the last year to make the investment to still qualify for that additional 5% step-up in basis on the gain that you roll over because many people don't understand that 2026, that is the day in which you have to pay the taxes as you recognize on your investment. Well, after 2026, there are no five and seven-year dates after that. So Mm -hmm. if I make my investment in 2021, Well, the only step up I'm going to get is 10% because I won't hold the asset for seven years before 2026 rolls around. I will be able to hold it for five. So they'll give me 10% increase in the basis of the game that I rolled over, but I'll miss that additional five. So making the investment this year to maximize the benefits under the act is imperative. Otherwise, you're going to start losing some of the benefits the longer you wait.
1: Yeah. Okay. And so even if you're starting out your own Opportunity Zone fund, which again, we have a webinar walking people through that process that you can download or watch from our site, would you still recommend for that individual to just have one asset in each LLC Opportunity Zone fund? Or is it okay to have a couple?
0: Oh, it's okay for them to have a couple as long as it's, you know, just one individual, they're going into that fund. And they're going to hold the properties long term for the 10 years. Yeah, I wouldn't see any issue with them holding a couple in there and doing it that way.
1: Okay. It's not a prohibited transaction to sell an asset, put it in your own bank account. I mean, this is so different than a self-directed IRA or a 1031 exchange where you cannot touch those funds. But, you know, it's it's your capital gain and you open up a new LLC, a new opportunity zone fund and use your your funds. It doesn't have to be a partnership or does it?
0: It does have to be a partnership, correct.
1: And is a spouse a partner or?
0: Yeah, a spouse is a partner.
1: What if you don't have a spouse?
0: (laughs) Do you have a child?
1: Okay, a
0: child. All we have to give is 1% to someone, even half a percent to make it a partnership. And if not, then we'll elect to have it treated as a corporation. Got it. But I'd prefer to go partnership status because of different tax rules that apply to S-Corps versus partnerships. There's more flexibility with a partnership. So if you can do it that's the way I would go.
1: Perfect. All right, Clint. Well, I know there's so much more, but people can learn that by watching the webinar that you did for us. So thank you for joining us again here on The Real Wealth Show.
0: All right. It's been great. Thank you.
1: And thank you for joining us here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to Clint's archived webinar by logging on to our website at realwealthshow.com and clicking the link for setting up your own Opportunity Zone Fund under the Invest tab in the Investor Portal, again at realwealthshow.com. The replay of this recording and other webinars on Opportunity Zones will be made available to you in our Investor Portal within 24 hours. But please note that you do need to be a member of Real Wealth Network to listen to those. So if you're not yet, just go to realwealthshow.com and join and fill out the Investor Questionnaire. I'm Kathy Fedke, and thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye-bye.